A quick warning before we start this week's episode. This one does contain a couple of references to sexual violence. So some of you might want to hold on to this one for a time you feel a bit stronger. Hello and welcome to Happy Place. I'm Fern Cotton and today I meet someone really very special. Her name is Grace Graham. She said, you know, it's all about the power of the mind. If you tell somebody that they're going to be okay, they will be okay. And I remember her saying that, and I, think, and I remember it about probably the age of 11, going around to my dad's house and say, and he was sat in his chair, and I thought, I'm going to get him out of the chair, I'm going to get him to look in the mirror and say, I will be well. Grace is special for a number of reasons. She started her own successful business against incredible personal odds, but also for her work for the Prince's Trust. Now, if you've not heard of the Prince's Trust, let me enlighten you. They are an amazing charity that instills self-belief in people aged 11 to 30 years old so they can be their best selves and fulfill their potential. They help in getting people jobs or training opportunities, offer mentoring and build self-esteem. So important. Now, I've just had the honour of becoming a goodwill ambassador for the Prince's Trust, which is a wonderful privilege. And the role comes with a special interest in the mental health and well-being of people like Grace. And today we have a little surprise for her because Grace is to be given a national award to recognise the work she's done. It's called the Mapping and Web Young Ambassador Award. And she's picked many, many others around the country for the prize. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. So look, let's get on with the show and let's tell her the great news. about to walk through the doors of the Prince's Trust offices. One of the best things for me about being a Prince's Trust ambassador is meeting the young people that have been helped by the Trust. And I'm going to meet someone today who's not only been helped, but has gone on to absolutely thrive, start up an incredible business that she completely devised on her own and is helping loads of people in turn, which is a complete joy. So I can't wait to meet her and hear her story today. To explain how remarkable Grace is, it makes sense to hear what she's overcome. And Grace's early years were very, very challenging. So my father had Parkinson's disease, spent a lot of time with my dad. So my parents are separated by the time I was born. But I spent most weekends with my father and his wonderful wife, who's my stepmom, who I'm very close with still today. 
Um, so as a child, you know, you're kind of unaware of really what is going on. And I think you, children have such an amazing resilience. So you just get on with it and it's a part of your normality. So he deteriorated as I got older. So my memories of going round to see my father would be to feed him. And, you know, he was on a lot of medication in order to kind of survive the Parkinson's disease. So he'd be in and out of kind of docile sleeps. However, he was such a dignified man. So my stepmom later on told me that he would overdose on his medication in order to be stronger for when we arrived so that he was able to walk to the door and answer the door. So I was probably unaware of the pain at that time, but there was always that underlying subconscious that one day he was going to die and never know when that would be, but it was going to happen sooner than probably bearable than was bearable well you were a kid still you were 15 I mean that's such a lot to take on and to digest how did that impact you at that age so you know um I think for a long time I believed which is something that played through relationships um later on in my life is that he didn't love me so that when I would take my school reports round you know I had all of these kind of expectations as you do as a child and I remember seeing kind of dads walking around with their children or doing active things and and feeling that yearning for why I don't have this and I remember taking my school reports round to him and he would be kind of in and out of being able to really concentrate and so for me at the age of 10 I just thought you're not interested so that must mean you don't love me and so you know that kind of played out in many ways because if my father doesn't love me then how can I love myself and so that led me to be in quite difficult relationships or attract quite negative situations where I was yearning for older men that were in a sense looking for a father figure Mm. that were very unstable or unwell so I kind of was repeating the pattern of what I'd kind of been raised with. It's very interesting that I guess at this point in your life you're able to look back and actually process that and, yeah. and figure it out because yeah. of course at 15 yeah. you don't understand those feelings, no, exactly. those mixed emotions. So how did you sort of cope with all of those those feelings and that sense of lacking at that age? Yeah, I think I was very angry. So when he died, I was just just angry and just and kind of really upset with the world. You know, I've always had a belief throughout some of the traumas that I've experienced I've gained such a strong understanding of a higher power and whatever you may call that you know to me that is God Um, and I have that faith you know which has carried me through but at that time I was very angry with God and I remember having conversations just saying where are you and why are you doing this to me you know and so that kind of played out through addiction so I turned to alcohol um, and later turned to drugs that was a way of me numbing the pain which I did up until I'll be two years sober in April oh that is phenomenal Grace yes that takes so much strength to do that as well you know like yourself so many people have have found themselves in that situation of, of being in unbearable pain mm-hmm. not being able to make sense of a situation exactly. and looking for that escapism yeah. and that can fall into so many different areas of addiction exactly. and, and for you that started off as alcohol yeah it's unbelievable to say that you've dealt with way more than just mm-hmm. your your yes. father passing away not long after you were forced to leave home because mm-hmm. of something horrendous yes. that happened to you I know that this is a really difficult thing mm-hmm. for you to talk about but if you feel like you can yeah. then then please do yeah I'm happy to after losing my father I was definitely in a very vulnerable place and um, shortly after that a few years later I was 17 years old and 
I met somebody and it quickly turned into, it was a lot older than me, um, in a sense you could say I was groomed, but it turned into a very difficult and dangerous situation and um, I was beaten up very badly and raped and that went on for about three months until, you know, I was silenced because of the fear of it, you know, there were a lot of things that were, I was mentally and physically abused. So I kept it quiet from the family in a sense to protect you know my mum because of the threats that were told to me if I said anything and eventually the family my family worked out that something wasn't right you know my behavior wasn't right I'd lost weight and people noticed bruises so we kind of collectively my mum wasn't a was unaware but when we made her aware it was the decision that had to leave the area um, in order to be safe really so I moved away for about a year and at the time so my mum is a very kind of strong woman and really believes in the importance of education. And she used to always say to me, never play the victim. And I used to think, how dare you? I am a victim. But the reality is that that is what carried me through, you know. And I think we are all victims of circumstance. But to be a victim is a very weak state. And even though I find it very difficult, that kind of brutal truth that reality of what she said kind of got me through my situation. So anyway, we I had to leave the area and I travelled down while in hiding to sixth form because she was, you know, adamant that I must go to university. So I would travel down and I completed my A-levels and um, got into Bristol University. Which is phenomenal before you carry on. Like that yeah. is, to get into university is tough enough as it is, yeah. but with what you'd endured up to that point yeah. of your life to... Yeah. And I, and I know that your mum's saying something to you that's really had that impact. And, mm-hmm. you know, when our mums talk to us, it often does have that yeah. like, deep-rooted, yeah. oh, my, I have to follow mm-hmm. this through. But mm-hmm. I'm still so fascinated in how you found that strength, even to move away. Mm-hmm. Do you think that you've always been born with that sort of inner strength? You're a fighter or is I, it I your do, faith? I do think so. I think that naturally... Uh, innately I've always had quite a uh, an ability to care for other people and a strength to kind of I mean you could call it a strength but to look at both sides of kind of the coin and I think that did save me but I think also the brain's such a powerful thing that when you go through traumas it has an ability to completely cut off the emotions from those traumas in order for you to survive the situation I think if I had felt the actual intensity of those experiences at the time I may not be here today so it was I almost had to and with kind of those the mantras or the things that I was told by my mother that that kind of drove me to kind of continue and and having not felt any of what I was going through almost I survived it and it has taken me up till today you know I have therapy today where I'm now going back to talk about the rape and about to connect the feelings to it because Mm. my father once said to me just before he died actually that you are my strongest soldier and at the time those words did me a great justice but also had a huge effect on Mm. me later on in life because as a 11 12 year old if somebody says you're a soldier you take that literally you stand up tall you you know you don't show any emotion to show emotion is is, is weak isn't it mm. and you don't want to let him down exactly. because he's giving you exactly. that responsibility exactly so to me i look at that almost as a message in a sense from a higher power that he knew in his passing that there were going to be some things that i was going to face yeah. and so by telling me that i was able to be a soldier literally and wow. survive that but later on, is sometimes words, words are very powerful, but can sometimes be a hindrance if we continue to use them when we don't need them anymore. Yeah. And so I continued to do that. And so I kind of went through life with kind of a bit of like a bull in a china shop, not feeling anything. And 
that had a detriment effect and mm. almost the drink and the drugs enabled me to have this time where I could feel, but still with quite a disconnect. Yeah, that, there was a so sense was, of numbing for you. And yeah, escape, you exactly. Know, and God, like, you know, it's awful that you had to endure any of this. And I don't know anyone that would be able to just be present in that and yes. feel all those feelings in one big influx because it's mm-hmm. so much, it's so much to handle. Yeah. And, was there a moment much later down the line or even more recently where you've had to sort of feel all those feelings in one big go or has it been a sort of incremental yeah. thing of you learning how to, to process your past? So um, I bumped into the person who had raped me about, I'll be about nearly three years ago now. And I, not to cut you, but it kind of relates to back to what you were saying. I, I remember seeing the person anyway and they kind of walked past me as if I wasn't there. And I remember thinking for for 10 years it was never spoken about so we just all got on with it as a family and I think that was our survival so it was never mentioned so I dug pushed it really really deep it's almost as if it had never happened to me and I remember looking at him and actually thinking look at me please recognize me what you you know what you've done and he just walked past me as if I wasn't there and I remember going to sleep that night and having recurring dreams and I said that's it I can't do this to myself anymore so I woke up and called the police and said I want to report a rape case or a rape crime a rape case and so they came round and it took us a year to go to Crown Court and during that time I had a breakdown because it was the first time that I told my story um, to a police officer and it was I had to acknowledge it was just very weird I would get messages from a police officer I had an amazing woman that supported me through the journey and she would message me saying these are his bail conditions you know we're hoping that we're going to get to court you know all of these messages and I looked at these messages and thought this actually happened to me yeah, you'd made it sort of not true yeah, it was exactly. a fantasy sort of story that exactly. you just literally were like that didn't happen it's exactly. a weird little bubble over here I'm not dealing with it and then I guess seeing it in black and white exactly. in writing it's it, that is a, a, re, a reality that you're having to then, you know, have that sort of interaction with somebody. Exactly. And again, mm. the strength it takes to do that mm-hmm. is remarkable. I, I'm completely in awe of, yeah, of how, you. you know, deep you had to dig to mm-hmm. summon that sort of energy to take yeah. such a person on. Yeah, it was hard. But, you know, I I believe that we're all here for a reason and everybody has a testimony, you know, and I think I didn't want my legacy to be the girl that had overdosed and was found dead because she was raped or because she lost her boyfriend or or because she lost her father. I didn't want that to be my story. And I knew that. And I think it's also very egotistical to believe that I did it all myself. And that's where my belief in my higher power comes in or my father, my, you know, the spirits that guided me along the way that helped me get through it. You know, I didn't do it by myself. And I know that. Um, but there was definitely something within me that knew that, you know, I couldn't continue my life the way that I was. And and it was amazing people like Louise Hay. I remember picking up her book during the lead up to my court case. And, you know, I didn't love myself and I, and I didn't think I was worthy of much at that time. But I knew that I made a decision to do something. And a lot of people saying, are you sure? But I just had this unwavering belief that you know uh, this this is something that I have to do irrespective to how hard it's going to be and he was put in prison he was he was sentenced to 13 years yeah in prison and how did that the sort of end of that section of your life because I guess that was a more definite end to that chapter and you'd be able to sort of really then process it Mm -hmm. and and put it to one side how did you feel at, at that point 
I mean, it was, I was on, it was funny, I was on kind of after cloud nine, you know, life is perfect now. I've done this, so it means that everything is going to be okay. I was kind of in this naive kind of bubble that now that he was locked away, there was nothing else that I needed you to feel. And, I, and I, I was safe, but I was also done emotionally, yeah. you know. I'm kind of quite like that, right, this is, you know, we've dealt with it, so it's finished. Yeah. Rather than things take time yeah. and there's a process to things and things can take years to heal. But at the time, I didn't want to kind of believe that. It was just done. And so I drove my family crazy, you know, whenever they got a bit, let's talk about things. No, you just need to do an affirmation and you'll be fine. <laughs> And that's a really nice way of thinking about it. I think so, but at the time it drove them absolutely mad. My mum was like, you know, darling, you did so well after the court case, but you did drive us all a little bit crazy with your positive affirmations from Louise Hay. I mean, again, that's remarkable. Like, I don't know if I would be anywhere near as positive as that. I think it's wonderful. But I just wanted everyone to jump on the bandwagon. Of and of course, not everybody's, you know, we're not, we're all in different places, right? On different journeys. Um, so anyway, I thought after that, that my, I would stop, escaping I thought I would stop drinking I thought I would stop using drugs and that didn't happen and mm. it actually got worse you know and so it was then that I realized that there were this this is this is greater than me um, and now this is what I really need to focus on hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So just going back a bit, um, again, it is just unbelievable to say that you had to endure even more pain mm -hmm. and suffering because before he was imprisoned and before you'd taken him to court as you said you'd started at Bristol University yes. and what, what were you studying there social policy and sociology okay and that was a, a happy time would you say of your life um still confusing time perhaps yeah and difficult so I left the area and you know we finally decided that it was time for me to come move back home um and at the time I met a wonderful young man, um, my boyfriend at the time, and he was very supportive through that process because it was very difficult, you know. I was, yeah. I was still young and telling any man that you've experienced that, it, it's difficult, you mm. know. And I was still very scared to walk in certain areas and stuff like that. Um, and so he was just remarkable, such a wonderful man. And, you know, growing up in Hackney at the time that I did, it was... It was quite a deprived area and not the coffee shop and pastry mm. shops that it is today mm, you know <laughs> glory of Hackney <laughs> yeah and I mean it's lovely but it was very different when mm. I was, was young and you know it was a high gun crime rate etc and so during my first year at university he was murdered he was shot dead um, um for being in the wrong place at the wrong time you know um so that was absolutely devastating it's all right, it takes some time. Still makes me emotional today. Of course it does. I mean, that is something you cannot prepare for. No. You can't expect that. You can't get ready for yeah, it. Exactly. It's exactly. Just a horrendous, exactly. horrendous, awful bad luck. Yeah, and you know, 
even having an emotion now for me and my therapist would be so proud she's like you're balancing your masculine and feminine energy so I'm getting there before I wouldn't you know I would just talk about it as if it wasn't my story and so that's a joy within itself being able to shed a tear or feel a bit emotional you know it's important it's because we're human it's so important after having to go through all that yeah after what you'd previously Mm -hmm. injured how do you even walk out the door how do you trust that life is going to be okay okay in any way it's difficult you know and I think it is you know Louise Hay did save me in so many ways you know I would look in front of the mirror leading up the court case every day and say I love you Grace I really do I accept you as you are and I didn't believe that I didn't believe that and I've only started to believe that within the last kind of 18 months but the power of words you know and it's like the self-fulfilling prophecy if you keep telling yourself something eventually your brain will catch up and say well hang on she loves herself so maybe she does you know (laughs) and eventually you you kind of it's like fake it till you make it isn't it mm. and, uh, and and having a faith and you know the program in recovery has really helped me to kind of really dig deep and to really understand that you know there's something out there that's always looking looking after you you know you know when you're in that place of despair which yeah. I'm imagining mm-hmm. you're in that place even when you're reading positive literature or mm-hmm. you're hearing a positive story or someone saying it's going to be okay. How do you believe that when you've experienced the absolute opposite of that? I was always drawn to, so, you know, I've always been in love with Oprah and I always used to watch her on TV from a young age. Same. Yeah, obsessed. 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 And I remember one thing before I went to see, this is when my father was still alive, she said, you know, it's all about the power of the mind. If you tell somebody that they're going to be okay, they will be okay. And I remember her saying that and I I remember it about probably the age of 11, going around to my dad's house and and he was sat in his chair and I thought, I'm going to get him out of the chair, I'm going to get him to look in the mirror and say, I will be well you know and I couldn't do it at the time I just couldn't do it but I remember looking back on that and thinking had I've done that maybe he would he would still be alive you know it's funny little things like that Mm. but I I had this really strong belief that there was that there is a power to change things no matter how bad it gets but it did get really bad I mean it got really bad you know my addiction really just nearly destroyed my life so things did get very bad but I think having that kind of kind of underline knowing that it in in the end it can't all it can't always be like this you know something has to change so what was the sort of seminal turning point where you went you know what I've I've had to suffer a lot yeah and I know that I am numbing a lot Mm -hmm, through mm -hmm. drugs and alcohol but enough is enough how how did that moment occur so I stopped working leading up to the court case I had to and you know I had a breakdown I had a breakdown I kind of lost everything my friends you know my my job and I had to be by myself and I you know there's a saying you know God can't give you anything if your hands are too full and I think everything had to be stripped away and and that happened literally and so I was sat with myself and And what did that feel like and it was it was just and you know it was indoors a lot by myself leading up to the court case I mean I was still unfortunately using at the time but I really had to get to know myself what do you like Grace and actually who are you stripped bare of the labels the perceptions you know who are you and I asked myself those questions and I just spent time with myself you know and 
eventually I started to get a sense of awareness of what I, di- what I don't want in my life. You I know? think it's so important because I think <clears throat> we are, whether you've suffered extreme trauma or not, yeah. I think mean, the majority of us are awful at doing this. Sitting mm-hmm. with not only ourselves, but an emotion. You know, exactly. I know that if I've got something that's brewing or bubbling and I think oh I don't want to think about that whatever I will do I will you know yeah, clean my busy. kitchen surface till they're like I see my face <laughs> exactly. in them or, or I'll you know go on the internet and be researching something or anything to mm-hmm. deal with that exactly. and to sit with a feeling or a backstory mm-hmm. is excruciating at yes. times so how did you kind of work through that process and how long would you say or are you still in that process yeah now? I definitely say I'm still in the process you know I've <laughs> dedicate myself to having regular therapy and I've had a therapist who I've seen off and on for over four years and we're now starting to do work around feelings and emotions and um, you know I do my spiritual practices so I get up and do some 10 minutes mindfulness in the morning and exercises and stretches and I listen to a lot of kind of repetitive mantras my goddaughter thinks I'm crazy she's like what are you listening to again I'm like guys that's good by osmosis they're going to her as well it's fantastic exactly Um, So all of those little things, I think, combined, you know, um, have an ability to eventually, it's like drip feeding yourself, isn't Mm. it, until it becomes Mm. kind of your normality or your mantra. So when you first started to have to sit with yourself, as you say, all of those normalities stripped away, Mm -hmm. what emotions were coming up and, and, and how did you feel about yourself at that time? To be honest, it was quite hard to really know because I was still in active addiction so I was still numb in the pain yeah. although I was on the process of um healing you could say it, you know when you're numb in the pain you're not really healing you know properly so it was after the court case I made a decision to go to rehab and that before that I'd come to the Prince's Trust I'd found out about the Prince's Trust and how I, did you hear about them so a friend of mine had set up a business before and just told me about how amazing they were and I so at the time I'd stopped working but I fell back on my massage diploma so I um when I finished university I did a diploma a diploma in um holistic massage and so I needed to figure out a way to pay my bills so I thought I'll, f- I'll fall back on that and just joined lots of different agencies and thought I could probably do something similar myself so I came to the Prince's trust and it was when I came to the Prince's trust I thought you know what I really need to now start taking my life a lot more seriously and it is about responsibility I have to stop harming myself you know I've been I've been through these traumatic experiences but now it's a choice for me to say that is over and so I checked into rehab and I went away for a month and and that has enabled me really to kind of just take time to feel and get to know myself and and actually give my business and give yeah give my business the best I can and once you managed to stop using and drinking how did it feel to be grace knowing all that had happened and all that you'd been through how how did you feel about life at that point yeah, difficult. And I had very low moments, you know, where it was like, I thought this is it. So I've put down the drink and drugs. And I can't get out of bed. You know, I thought there was this going to be this epiphany and mm. everything was going to be again after the court case. Amazing. But that's not life. And, and you know, there were times where I'd message my sponsor and say, I, I just can't get out of bed or I felt suicidal, you know. Because I just, it's again, it's our expectations. I thought that as soon as I'd stop using it, everything would be perfect. But actually, it was a part in my life now where it was time to feel the feelings and the reality of the past. So it was quite scary. Yeah, I mean, again, you have to find that insane amount of inner strength to mm-hmm. go, I'm going to 
I'm going to do this. Yeah. I'm going to going to get through it. Yeah. So massive turning point. Uh, getting in touch with Prince's yeah. Trust. You knew you wanted to do something with your massage diploma. Yeah. How did the idea come about for your now thriving <clears throat> business? So I um. My business works for oh, the Prince's Trust have been just incredible. So I've always had a passion for kind of holistic services and for massage and the healing qualities it can bring to people's lives and made a huge difference for me. And from a young age, I was always quite tactile. So I remember being with my dad and I'd play with his hands, in a sense, massage his hands to help kind of reduce the tension from the medication kind of unaware that later on this would be something that would be like my destiny How fascinating. yeah that was already yeah new. yeah Just there, so I was waiting. always very good with my hands mm. and I joined lots of different agencies and started massaging and and I had a few opportunities to go into kind of offices and that's when I realized that there was an opportunity really to support employees well-being at work yes sat at desks all day yeah, exactly. feeling extreme exactly. tension from work <laughs> Exactly. Wow. And so the Prince's Trust were like, we can absolutely help you here. Yes. Let's work together. Yeah. So I went on the Enterprise Programme, which is like a year's programme, but you do a four-day training just to kind of tell you about the ins and outs of business. And after you've completed that, you um, go to panel. So they'll look at your business plan and see if your business is viable. And I was given an amazing mentor, Chris Letcher, who supports me kind of with just different aspects of the business, you know, kind of getting clients, how to sell. But yeah, but WorkSpa came about with kind of the support through the transition of coming to the trust. We kind of decided that we wanted to turn it into a corporate wellbeing company. That you have? Yes, and I now mean, we you have. you work with huge companies offering yes. your services. Yeah, so working with organisations such as HSBC and Fujitsu. I've been very fortunate as my role as ambassador. So I speak about my story at different events and then I turn those into, I mean, they're massive networking opportunities. So I've managed to turn wow. a lot of the, the people um, into clients. Because what I, lo- I love about what you're doing is, you know, there are so many, everybody out there l- listening to this will be somebody like myself, like yourself, yeah. who rushes around exactly. like a headless chicken a lot of the time, trying to do too much, mm-hmm. feeling in that fight and flight mode exactly. that we often don't need to be in if it is just something like I'm late to pick up the kids or whatever, but yeah. you're in that panic, absolute panic. Mm-hmm. And you've really understood that power of physical touch and exactly. relaxation. Do yeah. you think we all sort of underestimate how powerful that could yeah definitely I think um I think especially in western society we're you know we're very with our babies of course and as a mother you know you're nurturing and 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 touch is a very normal thing but it's like as we get older touch becomes something that we do less in a nurturing way you know and I mean massage in general anyway it's just relaxing the body you know increases your serotonin levels and um, it's such a healthy thing to do and so and I think in this day and age especially with technology it's so hard to separate yourself from work you know Um, and so creating that work-life balance can be extremely difficult so I think bringing holistic services in the work into the workplace just helps companies and employees to kind of have that respite while they're at work and then the physical demands of sitting in the same position for so many hours you know the postural demands of that it's such an amazing idea alleviate that too it's incredible and you've got big plans to sort of really um start looking at well-being yes, mental and physical exactly, well-being in the workplace exactly. so what are your what are your future so plans? we've got some practice i've got some practitioners now that are delivering mindfulness and we're yoga sessions as well wow and we're looking at incorporating some form of cbt so cognitive behavioral therapy um, training for management, HR, and for employees as well. Wow, I mean, that is incredible. Um, 
specifically with sort of looking at um, mental health, yes. mental well-being. Yes. I mean, I have therapy. Have you found talk therapy specifically yep. important to your well-being and how you go about your business? A hundred percent, extremely important. Um, you know, I think for me that one of the the biggest um, the thing that saved me, I think, the, the Prince's Trust, it was giving me that platform to speak yeah. and to share my my message. You know, and I think there's a power in the truth really does set you free, you know, mm. and I think in whatever way you look at it, addiction is about escaping our realities or numbing the pain. And, and, and for a lot of people, you know, we hold in things that we've suffered or experienced or, tra- or, or traumas that we've experienced. And we carry that for most of our lives. You know, if somebody was just to sit down and say, how are you feeling? Or what did you go through when you were young? And a lot of it stems from our childhood. Mm. You know, we carry these inner, you know, young children inside us that we, that are still afraid and still broken and still hurt, that have never been given a voice. And as adults, we can continue to go through life with, with never dealing with our issues. And that comes out and manifests in so many different ways. So I think talking therapy is so important and and going back to the root, really. And although that is such a scary thing to do, Mm. it's understanding that in the darkness, you know, there is light, but you have to go through the darkness in order to get there, you know? Mm. Oh, my God. I just find it so amazing that, you know, not only are you running this thriving business and you're doing so brilliantly, but now you're helping other people as well. You've turned all of that into this amazing empathy and understanding yeah. of other people's stress and other people's trauma. Yeah. And is that now sort of your driving force, your passion? Yeah, 100%. Yes, it's so exciting, you know? Um, and it just feels incredible. You know, I'm just... It's just gratitude. I just feel so grateful. You know, the Prince's Trust saw something in me that, you know, at the time I didn't really see, but they've nurtured and me in such a way that I'm now able to kind of be confident enough to even sit with you, Fern. Oh my God, don't be so <laughs> silly. I'm just a silly Wally. I'm just happy to sit with you and chat. What would you say? I mean, there, there will be people listening to this who do feel like they're in a very vulnerable place in life, that they yeah. are having an yeah. extremely tough time mentally, physically, emotionally, and... They need people like you, yeah, as I do, to, to for you to tell your story and to know that things can be okay. Exactly. What what would you say to people who feel a bit desperate and like they don't know where to turn next or what to yeah. do? It's difficult, and I think again, like we said before, that it's if you can just find somebody that you can speak to, you know, and it's not about if if you're too afraid to go deep, and that's fine because it's scary, you know, it can be very scary. But just tell that somebody how you're feeling. Sometimes it's as simple as that, although it seems like the hardest thing in the world, just to tell somebody, you know, if somebody close to you asks you, are you okay? It's okay to say no Mm. and tell them really what's actually going on. You Mm. know, I think it's so important. And how do you get to a place where you don't let your past Mm -hmm. define you whether Mm -hmm. that be in you know positive parts of your past or deeply you know distressing like what you've experienced how do you stop that from defining who you are today I just think I've come this far and giving somebody for instance if I was still afraid of the person that had done what he'd done to me I'm giving him power effectively you know and it's just finding a way, it's just finding a way to kind of know that the past has no power over you anymore, you know? But that's a real strong mindset because I mean I certainly know people that go, Yeah, but this happened mm-hmm. and 
you know, it is obviously, it's a reality. It's something that happened course, to you. But you course. have managed to switch your brain into that mode where you've gone, yes, it happened mm-hmm. and I'm dealing with it, but it's not going to stop me from doing X, Y and Z. Yeah. And I think that is, it takes great strength yeah. and great understanding and, and a lot of discipline because it is a bit of a daily discipline. I'm sure like with recovery, it's mm-hmm. a, a daily practice that you, you have to like the small things I'm imagining sort of mm-hmm. mount up to, to give you that strength. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's the brain's a powerful thing, isn't it? I was looking at your book, I think it's amazing. Oh God, it's thank so you. Amazing. And like you were saying in there about, you know, it's so easy for that kind of chatter in the brain, that negative yeah. kind of part, you know, that tells you you can't do it or you're not good enough. Mm. It's so easy to buy into that. Yeah. You know, and I love Eckhart Tolle and he talks about becoming an observer of those thoughts and not attaching yourself too much to those thoughts. Mm. And and it's really interesting. And so I think from listening to these books and it's, it's really, really helped me, you know, and now being an observer, sometimes I just have a laugh and I think, are you for real? Why are you thinking that? (laughs) Shut up. As as long as I don't do it out loud, you know, when I'm walking down the street, it's fine. (laughs) But, um, using those strategies and those techniques effectively that's what they are you know has really kind of has helped me but also for me it's it's important that it is okay to feel and it is okay to be emotional and that is important so and it's finding the balance isn't it between Mm. that that some days you are going to have days where you don't feel that you can get out of bed and that's okay yeah as long as eventually you find a way to get out and and get on with it you know be kind to yourself in those moments where it's hard exactly and how um, or can you now sort of look to the future and not be terrified that something awful is going to happen when any of us have experienced trauma on any yeah, level? Yeah. Of course, it is hard to go. But what if I have to go through something mm-hmm, like that again? Mm-hmm. Am I strong enough to do this again? Yes. I how think, do you um, how do you deal with that thought? I think, again, that's faith. You know, yeah. you have to have faith yeah. that, you know, I've been through this much and I'm sure I'm, you know, I may experience more. But the, the difference today is I have the tools yeah. that I'm better equipped now that if something does come my way, I'm much able to kind of stop it before it goes too far or, you know, recover in a different way today, you mm. know? So I've got my rack sack of Louise Hay and Eckhart Tolle yeah. and, and your book. Oh, God, put, I don't fit in the same category as those two, I'm afraid, but that's very sweet of you. Put it in the front pouch of that backpack. Um, I think it's it's absolutely phenomenal. And I and you're, you have such positive momentum now. Yeah, exactly. That you're just going to take over the world. You've got so not. many plans. <laughs> and I know that you won a regional award before Christmas. Yes. How did that yes, feel? Yes, Amazing, amazing, yeah. So I got up and did my speech. My mum was there, my amazing um, ambassador and my um sponsor came as well and my sister it was wonderful it was wonderful to be recognized you know and just to give back really they have done so much for me I mean the last 18 19 months has been quite unbelievable meeting the people that I've met and and just having the opportunity to kind of own it and say do you know what this is me this is my story and I'm not afraid to to talk about it and I've got some good news for you (laughs) because you won the regional award Prince's Trust Award but you've also won the national mapping and web young award. Oh, the Prince's sh- Trust I was Awards. Say, Shut up! Go, <laughs> 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 
<laughs> Sorry, a bit of the cockney got out there. Same, same. <laughs> I'm so chuffed that I got to oh, tell you that. Oh, thank you. It's amazing. Oh, I mean, beyond God, deserved. So, beyond, you better beyond. get a little speech ready again. A dress. A nice dress. <laughs> Invite your gang. Oh, my God. On that note, because you're going to really just beyond it inspire so oh. many people who are listening to this mm-hmm. that know going through something that extreme yeah. can still lead to exactly. fulfilling your exactly. full potential and doing things that you want to do. Exactly. So, again, just so much thanks to you oh, and congratulations. Thank you, thank you Fair, and I appreciate it so much. Thank you. It's been lovely to sit with you. Yay! You're wonderful. <laughs> oh, oh, what a remarkable person. Grace, thank you so, so much. To find out more about Grace's brilliant company, WorkSpa, go to workspa.co.uk. Massive thanks again to the Prince's Trust, who do such amazing work. On Tuesday, they announced their brand new Youth Index, which measures people's happiness, including the shocking finding that 35% of young people have suffered panic attacks. Find out more. Just search for Prince's Trust. Next week, for our last episode in the series, we have something a little different. Stay tuned. You can do that by subscribing for free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify and many other apps. Do it now and get new episodes as soon as they're released. Oh, a massive thank you to the brilliant Grace, to the Prince's Trust, to the producer Matt Hill at Rethink Audio. And I've got to say, as we near the end of the series, such a huge thank you to you lovely lot for listening. I so appreciate it. Bye bye. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.